Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is Jezreel Editor Al Lunsford with Lynx. Uh, this is, I haven't done this in quite a while where I'm actually sitting across from the person that I'm talking to for the podcast, but I'm happy to be here uh, reporting to you live from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida, uh, Bowling Green. Is that right? Bowling Green, Florida. A lot of people probably think Bowling Green, Ohio first. There yeah. is some confusion, but yeah. it is uh, it is also a place in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it's a wonderful place. It's a place since we've been here and posting about uh, our tournament here, the Lynx Invitational at Streamsong. People are like, where the heck are you guys? I, that can't be Central Florida. I think that's first impression when you get here. It's like, where am I? Um, but we can go into that. We can go into maybe your first impression when you got here sure. too. But I'm with Craig Falanga. He's the Director of Sales and Marketing uh, here at Streamsong Resort. Uh, and Craig, when, when we got here, gave us an entire spiel. He gave our entire group a little history lesson basically on Streamsong. That's kind of where I want to start uh, our conversation today. And essentially, Craig, let you go through that uh, sure. that speech you gave us um, to provide a little context, a little history on Streamsong. Sure. So the story of Streamsong kind of starts, you know, well, it really starts thousands of years ago when, when the whole property was underwater. Um, you know, at some point, this was all at the bottom of the ocean, uh, which is why it was such a great site uh, for the phosphate mining process that happened here. Uh, and so when you fast forward from the thousands of years when it was under the ocean to a hundred or so years ago, uh, this this whole area that's known as the Bone Valley uh, was um, mined for phosphate and potassium ash, which is what Mosaic does when they create fertilizer. When that process was completed here and they finished all the strip mining, you're left with uh, all these giant sand dunes and, and what's left after the mining process, which is basically perfectly round sand. They pull all the nutrients out of the soil they use it to make the fertilizer and the other things that they make with it. And and we were left with these magnificent sand dunes that nobody really ever thought to make a golf course of in Central Florida before. <clears throat> At the time that Streamsong was, was becoming an idea, the Mosaic board reached out to a number of golf course architects and you know nobody was really all that excited about building another golf course in Florida in 2000. 10, 11, 12, when we opened. Uh, at that point, you know, golf was probably uh, overbuilt and, and things were correcting in the opposite direction. And they finally uh, appealed to Bill Core, I believe it was, to come out and take a look at the site. And I think the comment that he first made when they called him the first time was the last thing that Florida needs is another golf course or another golf resort. And they got him here, and I think they flew around in a helicopter and saw the topography. And when they landed, as soon as he could get his phone out, he called Ben Crenshaw and Tom Doak and said, Guys, this is the real deal. We, we need to take a second look at this. And so things kind of progressed from there. And, and so, you know, Streamsong became a, it went from an idea to, to a reality. The, the concept, though, I think came because, you know, when the mining process is complete, uh, typically uh, Mosaic would have had to turn 
what had been mine, they do a reclamation project and it basically turns into a pasture or a field or something like that. And there had been enough pastures, if you've driven in here, you know there are enough pastures and fields locally. And, and so the idea was not only can we build what is a spectacular golf resort on a site that all golf course architects want to work at because it's all sand, but it was also a way to uh, do a different kind of reclamation project that then gives back to the community because of the number of jobs that are created in a resort. And it also gives people who have generational um, occupations with Mosaic another way uh, to work in a way for something that Mosaic has created uh, that really gives them a different career opportunity than working in the mining process or something like that. And, and now we have you know, hundreds of people who live locally that are in the hospitality field that might not ever have had that opportunity had had Streamsong not become a reality. So it's it's a really neat story on that side. Um, so as uh, Cor Crenshaw and Doak were working, uh, it, it was really unique that they worked side by side. Both golf courses, red and blue, were built at the same time, uh, which doesn't often happen. I don't know that they've ever worked side by side on a project before. Uh, and it's been said that they were that there are a couple of holes on each course that maybe one of the other architects uh, originally laid out, um, but because of different routing plans and whatever, they ended up on the other architect's course, which is really a neat a neat idea. Um, that that we've not been told which ones they are, but we have been told that that was the case. People ask all the time where did where did the names come from? You know, red and blue. Uh, the way that it was told to me is when they were originally routing out the courses, Cork Crenshaw were using a red pin or red Sharpie and uh, Tom Doak was using a blue one and they decided to keep things pretty simple and said, why don't we go with red and blue? And so that's, so that's where it came from. Yeah. I, I think one of the things you're talking about and, and one of the first things you notice when you come to Streamsong is the the sand and the, and the massive sweeping dunes and from my understanding i mean that's all natural from from the mining process um it's not like you had to come in here and bulldoze and do a bunch of uh shaping and shifting i'm sure some of that was going on but right. um, it's all there and uh it's it makes a for a dramatic uh landscape and a very visual golf experience it, it certainly doesn't look like typical florida golf right there's there you know i made the joke the other night that if you see a palm tree out here let us know because we we can we can remove it pretty quickly but you know there aren't a lot of trees on any of the golf courses um there are no palm trees you know there's no houses uh, you're out here you know with golf and nature and that's it and, and it was intentional that the golf courses are removed from the lodge so you really don't even see that big building mm -hmm. and the clubhouse at red and blue is tucked down between two giant dunes so it's very unobtrusive as well um but the but it is uh you know the other thing that i've heard people say is if you were if you were dropped in and blindfolded in a parachute and you didn't know you know where you had where you were your first guess you probably your first 10 guesses wouldn't be Florida. Right. Um, I've heard a lot of Nebraska, Wisconsin, you know, Scotland, Ireland, depending on, you know, how foggy it is that day. Uh, we get that quite a bit. It's pretty ironic that you have, you know, three of the greatest golf courses in the U.S. that 
really weren't there wasn't a lot of dirt moved by the architects the dirt was moved by the guys who worked in the mining operation that put the sand back out here and they just you know and they probably didn't even play golf they were just putting sand back in various areas and they came up with these fantastic dunes that the architects just routed everything through there's a great bunker out on the 15th hole at, at streamsong red and people say, wow, it must have taken a long time to build that bunker. And it's actually a natural fault line that runs right through the middle of the golf course. And we built the fairway around the already existing fault line that is now a bunker. Yeah. And and that's so funny. They're just kind of getting that sand out of the way, mm -hmm. probably. And when you come look at it from a golf course architect's eyes, it's like, there's a hole, there's a hole. Um, we're going to go this way and that way. Um, and what you were talking about with red and blue, um, those two courses, they were the first two courses we've played since mm -hmm. we've been here, and they do kind of weave in and out of each other. So um, I think it's fun to, to look at those and maybe guess um, if you know the style of, of Core and Crenshaw and, and Doak, um, where might they have collaborated, where might be a different hole. I mean, I have no idea, but um, you can definitely tell that I'm sure there was some uh, cross-imagination going on between those guys. That, and, and there was probably some negotiation on who was going to get which site and yeah. where. When when were those two finished, completed? How long did it take? So we opened, we opened Red and Blue in December of 2012. Uh, I think it was about a two-year process. I think they started sometime in early 2010. Uh, and then we opened Streamsong Black in September of 17. Did. which is the Gil Hans design. And he used a black Sharpie, I'm sure, and that's how. Uh, he would have had to. <laughs> um, that course is obviously completely different from mm -hmm. what you get from blue and red. Um, and, and maybe before we get there, maybe we kind of break down what blue and red are more a little bit. Sure. Um, do you have a synopsis? On I do, those? yeah. So, so I would say, you know, blue is... Uh, if you start from the tee box and work your way to the green, uh, blue is a more forgiving uh, first shot golf course. So your drives, there's not as much of a premium placed on uh, hitting the fairway. Uh, you need to hit the fairway, but the fairways are much wider uh, and your tee shots aren't as demanding. Uh, with Tom Doak, you need to hit the ball into the right tier on the green in order for you to have uh, the best opportunity to make birdie or par. Uh, there's a lot more undulation on the on the greens on the blue course than there are on the red course, and and it's almost like you have two or three different uh, greens within a green mm -hmm. on the blue course based on how the undulation is and and the premium on hitting a great approach shot. Yeah. Uh, so some you know to to dumb it down even further, it, it's a second shot golf course. Red is more a first shot golf course. There's a premium on red on placing the ball and play in a good spot on the fairway so that you have an open shot into the greens. The greens are less severe at red. Uh, there's not as much undulation, but it's sneaky. Mm -hmm. um, you might get a putt where you, you don't see the break, but it's, it's very subtle and it's in there, and, and the caddies help a lot in that, in that aspect. You know, the other thing that you see a lot, and this is typical core Crenshaw, is the idea of the par four and a half. But you don't see a four and a half on the scorecard, but it might be a, a more challenging par four that if you make 
par, it's a great score, or it's a, a more forgiving par five that a birdie is, is more gettable there. Yeah, 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 I definitely did see that. I mean, I think we played, uh, in the tournament we played from the silver, and it was, um, I, I can't remember exactly where on the scorecard, but we played a par four that was longer than the par five we mm -hmm. played right afterwards. Yeah, um, that's probably that kind of 12 and 13. But I think you're right. I yeah. think it was 12, that, which is an, an amazing hole mm -hmm. that kind of wraps around the corner. Downhill, and, yep. And uh somewhat of a valley with the the pond on the right and um then the par three or par five is kind of back back up mm -hmm. and then you have a blind shot over another big dune mm -hmm. face um yeah god that, that was a cool stretch there you know one and two are kind of the same way right the first hole is a very demanding par four uh the second hole is a is a gettable par five you know and and you know we we kind of joke internally that if you can get through that stretch uh, with nine shots, then you've done well. It doesn't matter you know where they fall, but mm -hmm. if you get if you get out of that and you're even par, you're good. And sometimes if you get out of that and you've only had ten shots, it's a good day. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing with the 18th hole. What a great finishing hole. Risk reward. You know, it's a reachable par five. Um, big false front, but it's but it's you know you can get there in two. If you really want to go for it, and it's and it really is a four and a half, but it makes for a, a really exciting finish to the round. The other thing about these courses is that they're um, and different from maybe a typical Florida course is that it's really firm and fast out there. That that is one of the one of the things that we are definitely known for. Um, you know, it's links golf, so you should have firm, fast playing conditions. You're not going to get any mud balls at Stream Song. That's not going to happen. Uh, even when it has rained, it's usually dry within 40 or 45 minutes. Uh, even in the summertime when it rains pretty hard for you know 30 or 45 minutes in a row, things drain really quickly out here because it's just all sand-based, which is why the architects like working in this kind of, uh, this kind of earth so much. Um, but the two are definitely... Um, you know, the ball's going to roll out for you. Uh, the greens are going to be firm, though, so you've got to hit a good shot into it if you're going to if you're going to hold some of the greens. And especially with the new Mach 1 grass on red and blue, they're probably even more firm than they will be a year from now because they're still a little bit immature. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that later, but we can talk about that now, too. Um, last year, the decision was made that you were already going to regrass both of those courses, mm -hmm. the, the greens with the new Mach 1 strain. Um, and then pandemic rolls around and the decision is well let's just go ahead and do both of them mm -hmm. and, and get it on there um i putted on it for two days and it's it's fantastic i mean it's really smooth it just glides on it it's very firm right now but mm -hmm. like you're saying it's it's very early in the the stage of life for for being on those courses yeah. but it's it's really good so they're going to celebrate, I guess, their, their, the, the birthday of their planting coming up in about two or three weeks. So we, we planted uh, the green zone blue like the first or second week of August, and then uh, red came about two and a half weeks after that. Um, the, so like you said, the decision was made uh, to go ahead and do both courses at the same time, given all that was going on in the world. And we thought it was going to be a slow year, so we said, "Okay, let's get this out of the way, so that when you know things begin to recover, we'll have all three golf courses ready to go." Uh, we opened red and blue back on October first, but Mach One is exactly what we were striving for—is exactly what you described. Mm -hmm. 
it's known as a as a grass that is um, uh, closer to bent than you can get it with any other strain in this in this warm of a climate. Uh, not a lot of grain, if any. Um, if you look down at the cups, you know when you're playing, that's usually where you see grain. You can almost see none. You know, with Tiff Eagle and even Mini Verde, you get that sheen going up or down the hill where you can tell which way the, the grain is laying. You don't see that at all out here. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we were looking for is that that premium putting surface where the ball um, kind of floats across it. If you have a long putt, you know, if you hit a long putt on black, you can kind of hear the chatter of the ball interacting with the grass because it's Mini Verde out there. You hit a long putt on red and blue, you don't you don't hear that noise yet. The ball just kind of floats, and it's and it's really really a great surface to putt on. And the caddies will even tell you the ball doesn't break as much because you don't have to read grain in your putts anymore. Yeah, true. Speaking of black and and big greens, that course comes in in 2017, kind of adds another um, a wrinkle of of really good intrigue to this entire place now being a three-course offering, mm-hmm. um, and it's completely different. It's Someone said it's Melbourne dropped yeah. down here in Florida. And, and also intended to be. Uh, Gill definitely derived a lot of what's out there from the Australian sand belt. Um, it's a big, big golf course, right? It's, it's probably eight to eight-and-a-half-mile walk, where red and blue are about five-and-a-half each. Um, and, and ironically enough, you know, the... the elevation on each hole is not is not as great as what you would see like from the first tee box on blue to the fairway or from the tee box of seven blue to the green but my understanding is that the elevation change across the entire golf course at black is greater than it is at either red or blue um so from the lowest point on black to the highest point even though it's not going to be on the same hole uh, there's there's more elevation change there um you know the greens uh, are are a conversation starter for sure. If you haven't ever played black before, uh, they have the, the largest putting surfaces on the property, probably the biggest greens I've ever seen in a golf course. Um, but it's but it's really taken at face value. It looks that way. But then when you look at the greens and you understand the intent behind them, it's not necessarily the case. And, and I say that because we planted the same mini verde grass uh, about five to ten yards around every green complex as collection areas so that the ground game could be accentuated even more so you could putt you could chip you could play a bump and run you know you could use your imagination and do whatever you wanted to do the original intent was to grow that mini verde up um, so that it was a little bit taller than what the putting surface was but as we began to do that uh, unbeknownst to us mini verde gets a little bit bumpy when you do that so rather than have the ball begin to bounce, we mowed it back down at, at green height all the way around. And uh, and for the first couple of months, dotted in green what was the intended putting surface, which is about four paces inside of the irrigation heads. Um, but that wasn't popular because when people hit it onto what looks like a putting surface, they want to mark their ball. And so at the end of the day, you know, we, we have given our guests the option to do whatever it is they want. If you want to mark your ball on on even a spot that is not really what's intended to be putting surface, that's fine. We don't mark in green paint anymore what the intended putting surface is. But the illusion is there because there are a couple of holes, all the holes, that have irrigation heads that are, you know, inside of what looks like green 
but is really not the intended putting surface. It's, it's just inside of where the collection areas are. I would still recommend putting, though. It's it's uh, a little it's a little more difficult, testy. Uh, unless you have a spectacular wedge game and you really like a super tight lie, I would definitely recommend putting as well. Yeah, very few people I know that are like seeking that out. So. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. At Black is also, um, in terms of golf offerings here, is where the other two uh, different uh, golf experiences you can you can do uh, are located, mm-hmm. and and those are the putting course and the uh, the roundabout, which mm-hmm. is par three course. Can you talk a little bit about, about those? So we needed a couple of things to do after golf here, right? Because uh, you know we are kind of. Uh, unto ourselves here almost like an island here in central florida um so we we knew that uh putting courses were very popular at that point and and so we had the space to do it so we built the gauntlet which is right outside of the black clubhouse it's a two acre putting course um it's great we've got the the tea markers double as drink holders so you can put four drinks in the tea marker that tells you which flag you're going to go to that change up the holes and the tee markers on a daily basis, but it's a great place to go after your round. We get people who don't just come from finishing a round at black, but they'll also come from red and blue and come over to the black clubhouse and play the gauntlet and watch the sunset. The sunset from, from that spot is spectacular. Um, you know, there's a little bit of the Himalayas in there from St. Andrews. Maybe there's a little bit borrowed from the punch bowl at band and dune dunes. Um, but it's a, it's just a really fun experience, and you can tell there's a lot of trash talk going out there. Maybe some bets have been settled, you know, uh, that kind of thing. We also just opened another bar that services the gauntlet. Uh, it's literally about three steps from one of the holes at mm-hmm. the gauntlet. It's called the Glove Bar, um, and all this kind of glove gauntlet references to an area on the black course that if you fly over it, uh, in a plane or, or with a drone, it actually looks like a mitt or a glove. And that was one of the most sought after spots to build golf holes uh, when they were all flying around earlier looking at the topography of the land. It just didn't knit in with some of the other big dune areas on red and blue. But when it was left after red and blue were built, they said we have to build something up here that inco- incorporates the glove. And so if you if you look at like holes 12 through 18, that's kind of that glove environment. And if you fly over it today, you can still see the kind of the fingers and the thumb of what would be the glove out there. Yeah, at black, 12 at and black. 18. Yeah, yep. okay, gotcha. So, so the gauntlet is is right there at the clubhouse, and then adjacent to the driving range at uh, at black is the roundabout, which kind of started as a seven-hole um, practice area, a short game area, that kind of thing, but we have three double greens out there and a single green and so we figured out a way to route it so that you can really play seven holes of of you know single shot golf if you want to hmm. um 
Shortest hole is about 65, 70 yards. Longest is about a buck 60, depending on you know what it's playing that day. Um, again, no tee markers per se, where you have to tee it up between these you know these two markers. But we have a stake in the ground, and you can kind of pick an area around there that you want to play from. Flags are all numbered, so you know which hole you're going to. And uh, it's a it's a great way if you haven't ever been to Stream Song. Um, to get used to what golf at Stream Song is like, because you can get accustomed to that ground game and the firm, fast conditions. Uh, you know what the big bunkers look like, but it's also a way if you you know maybe you've had a frustrating day and you want to work on something, you can hit a couple shots into a green that are exactly like the greens out on the black course. Very good. Um, if you, I guess that should rewind a little bit. So. Back when the two red and blue were first built, um, from my understanding, the only lodging really was was at that clubhouse, and they were like twelve rooms. You mm-hmm. can stay in there. I, I think you can still stay in. You them. can. Um, and then I don't know what year it was, but when you built the lodge, two thousand fourteen, it yeah, and that's a, just an impressive uh, structure and a really really cool uh, place to stay. It's uh, almost 200 rooms. 216 rooms in the lodge and then yeah. the 12 rooms over the clubhouse. So when 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 Red and Blue opened in 2012, uh, as you said, the only place to stay was above the club clubhouse. 12 rooms there, eight single kings and, and four double queens. Then we have the albatross room there that is like a man cave on steroids, four flat screens, uh, big pool table poker table there's a private bar up there and it's only for people who are staying at the clubhouse which is a really cool exclusive experience it's it's basically like having your own golf cottage yeah but it's a whole floor um in 2014 the lodge opened uh 216 rooms here uh and there was just an incredible amount of thought put into uh you know what the lodge was going to look like and what it was going to represent and the stories behind it uh, Albert Alfonso was the architect who did both the clubhouse and the lodge and the black clubhouse. Um, but the lodge, if you look at it from the air, looks like a fallen tree. Um, and each level of the lodge is made to represent those basically levels of the tree. So if you if you are on the bottom floor that goes into the Aqua Pietra Spa, or if you're in Sototerra, which is the Italian restaurant, you'll notice the columns kind of look like tree roots. When you go into the spa, the columns in the in the spa run into some of the spa pools, almost like roots going into the the subterranean area, soaking up water. Uh, when you go up into the to the first and second floors of the lodge, um, you get into the leaf lobby, which is what you come in right when you when you enter. Uh, that was built from a, a barn that was on some mosaic property that they brought in, uh, reconstructed, and built the, the leaf lobby out of that. But that kind of looks like you're in a tree branch. It's shaped like a leaf. When you get into your room, you've got those really cool floor-to-ceiling wooden louvers, and that's supposed to be as if you were taking your hands and spreading the tree branches apart, looking out through the canopy out into you know, whatever you see, which in most cases is the lake 
right outside. And then when you get up to the top floor, which is where uh, Fragmentary Blue and the Pegasus Room are, that's supposed to be like the sky. So you come up out of the canopy, you're at the top of the tree, you're looking up at the sky and the stars and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, that was, uh, when you told us that at, at dinner, I thought that was really uh, interesting and unique about, uh, you, you don't really know much about the place you're staying at a lot of places, but that it's another like wrinkle. I'm, I'm glad you we can tell people mm-hmm. more about that. Um, and the spa was really, that's wild down there. But after hearing what you described, it's like, there's the, the tree roots. Right. And, and it looks a lot like cool. a grotto, you yeah. know, and, and all the different pools are different temperatures. You can go from like 60 degrees to 112. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but it definitely, you know, if you know, if you have the context of what it is and you walk through it, you're like, okay, I can see we are underground. These are the tree roots and we're getting ready to get in the pond that the tree is soaking water up from yeah you can also there's a, a part of the lodge that's almost like a, a history lesson on the site itself right, right next to a gigantic megalodon mm-hmm. shark fossil uh jaws display which is in and of itself really really cool to see um so that's there yeah. and, and because people still find shark's teeth out here one of the first trips we took um, before we opened back in 2012, we were standing up at the top of the first tee box on Blue, and we were talking about the history of the place and that, you know, there had been, we were at the bottom of the ocean at one point, and, you know, all this mining had brought up, you know, every now and then you'd find shark's teeth and things like that. And, and uh, one of the guys that was out here, one of the media guys was like, I think that might be one right there. And sure enough, we didn't plan it. There was a shark's tooth that they saw that day. It was really incredible. Oh, wow. Um, what else can you do here um, if you're not playing golf? Well, uh, aside from the gauntlet and the roundabout, which I guess technically are golf, we have some of the best bass fishing in the world. Um, you know, what was left after the mining operations were pretty deep cuts in the soil that had filled up with water over time. They stocked them with bass over time. And for 60 years, those the lakes were were off limits to all but a, a very few people. Um, my understanding is that over time, presidents have been out here and fished. It was so popular. I think Bill Dance might have been out here at one point and, and shot one of his fishing shows at an undisclosed Florida location. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you can do guided bass fishing right outside the lodge here. And we really joke that it's not fishing, it's catching. Uh, when you go out, it's pretty uh, pretty easy to catch fish. Uh, the other day, great example, um, some friends of ours were here, um, and and um, the guy's wife had not ever been out fishing before, and we were like, "You got to go fishing. It's a great thing to do." And she was a little, she was probably lukewarm on it. Turns out, she's out there for about two hours catches a 10 pound bass the first time she's ever gone fishing in her life and now she's in the bass hall of fame the stream song hall of fame for bass <laughs> if you catch a bass over eight pounds we put you in our hall of fame so tyler and his team do a great job you know they'll teach you how to fish if you don't know how to fish if you do know how to fish they'll put you on the fish and and it's just a matter of getting the line in the water to catch something out here which which uh is really a lot of fun so aside from that you know, you've got the spa, which you talked about. We have a great zero uh, infinity pool with a bar right next to it. Um, you know, we put cornhole out all the time for people to play. 
of those games. We have uh, sporting clays. We have a 12 station sporting clay uh, course that's about five miles still on our property, but you go off property and then come back. Uh, so you can't hear the, the rifle shots from anywhere around here. And then uh, we also have an archery uh, um, station out there at the uh, where the sporting clays are. Yeah. And, and on top of that, I mean, I know this weekend you have uh, a wedding here. So you have we do. space for that, too. We do. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to get married uh, out here. The, the sunsets are spectacular, as you've seen this week. We've got some great areas uh, that are that are uh, highly sought after and, and the ability to especially now for people to be able to space out uh, in this area like we are able to do uh, is is um, has been quite sought after yeah the golf is all very new obviously and I, I don't know that there are any plans to, to add more of that in the near future um, I was able to uh, be a test uh, person for well, on my own account this weekend, uh, the new stream song Private Select Maker's Mark, mm -hmm. which was a, I guess, small batch bourbon uh, that was made. And I know you had a big reveal and taste testing for that. It's very good, for the record. Um, I'm glad you had the opportunity to sample <laughs> Yeah. I, are there some other things, too, that... Uh, you'll be adding in in that regard yeah there are you know um so the so the private select you know bourbon's very popular here uh we're a golf resort so you got a lot of guys that you know are, are into bourbon tasting and uh, so that's become our house pour the stream song private select from maker's mark we actually had the maker's mark team in here uh over the weekend last weekend doing the their trademark red wax on rocks glasses and it was it's really a neat process if you ever haven't ever seen it done but we're also working now on a couple of uh, locally brewed uh, beers that will be stream song beers that we're going to come out with um, here probably within the next month or so. So that's going to be really exciting uh, when we get those rolled out. But we're working on like an ultralight, a Pilsner, and an IPA yeah. that will all have uh, really cool names and, and, and tell some of the stories at stream song as well. That actually brings up another point that I, we didn't talk about at the courses, but they each have their own unique halfway houses. They do, yeah. With their own unique menus, they too. They do, and, so what, and, what and are, we're pairing beers with each one of the things at the at the halfway houses. So Red has a, a great barbecue stand, some of the best brisket I've ever had. They actually smoke it on site right out back. Um, they've got pulled pork and then smoked sausage out there every day. Uh, we have non-returning nines, so we have halfway houses are out in the middle of the golf course. Uh, so you, you have to try that if you play red. When you're playing blue, you've got the taco stands. We've got street tacos out there. That uh, We've got a brisket taco. We've got uh, a fish taco and either pulled pork or chicken, depending on the day. And then at uh, black, we've got lobster rolls, which are uh, wildly successful yeah. um, and uh, very popular. Uh, and then you also have chicken salad out there, but the lobster roll is a big hit. Mm -hmm. and, and with... Lobster being so popular at Black, we've actually turned, uh, just in the last couple weeks, we uh, completely changed the menu at Bone Valley Tavern. It just seemed to fit because the Bone Valley used to be at the bottom of the sea. Um, and so we changed the Bone Valley Tavern menu to a seafood menu, which is uh, has been well-received so far. We're about, about a month into it, maybe three weeks into it now. Um, but we really didn't have a, a, 
seafood restaurant on property. So now we, we have that to go with the great steaks at Restaurant 59 and the classic Italian at Sototerra. Yeah, I, I haven't had a, um, a meal that wasn't good, I would say. I, I would say I haven't had a meal that was bad, but everything's been really great. Um, I'd actually recommend the hot dog over at the Red and, and Blue Footlong. Clubhouse. Oh, it's so good, um, especially with extra sauerkraut would be my recommendation, as our friend Michael Carr in our group likes to do. Um, so for someone who wants to plan a trip to Stream Song, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you have like a preferred time of year, I, I, you're open all year I we would are assume, yep. open year round like that um but and another thing I should say is it's walking only right I think there are some are ex- exceptions. so in season so January 1st to March 31st we're walking only and then um we go to carts uh carts are available beginning April 1st uh when we get into October uh carts are available after 11 o'clock gotcha okay so what would be Say I'm going to come play, and I want to play all three. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to recommend a way I should plan my itinerary um, to play each of the three courses, um, and maybe like you said, you might want to start with the roundabout mm-hmm. um, to throw that in there. But what would be your your recommendation for an order there? So you know, I try to tell people that um, if you haven't ever been here before, especially. Blue is a great place to start because the first tee box on Blue is one of the highest elevation points on the property. You can see in all directions, you can probably see 20-something holes of golf from up there. Uh, it really gives you an idea of the lay of the land and what you're going to see over the next couple of days and the next couple of rounds. Um, you know, and and with there not being as much of a premium on on your drive, being with more forgiving fairways out there, it can be a little bit uh, uh, more forgiving as a first whole, a first course to play. Um, then, if it was my itinerary, I would probably play red next uh, because now you've you've had a little bit of a warm up on blue. You've gotten used to putting. Uh, you you may feel like the the greens are challenging on blue, so you're going to get a little bit of a break on red with. You know the greens being a little less severe, um, but you have to hit a good drive. But now you've had that round where you can warm up and kind of, you know, you know where the ball is going, um, and and uh, you've got a chance to score a little bit. And then I would finish it with black, uh, really only because uh, maybe by the third day you might be a little more tired, um, and even though it's a longer walk, uh, it's very forgiving off the tee. You're going to hit probably more greens in regulation that you would typically hit. Uh, you now know how the greens are going to roll. Um, and even though these greens are really big, uh, you, your caddy is used to how you putt because we try to keep uh, the same people with the same caddy their whole time um, unless they want to make a change, which most of the time they don't. Um, and, and it's just a great way to finish up. And it's, and it's um, you know, you finish black looking into the sunset on uh, on 18 on the 18th hole it's a great risk reward finish and a great way to finish up up your trip here yeah and and that's how actually we did our tournament here is is playing blue red and black and I think I would agree with you we talked about that before we started 
the recording here, but um, it has been a, a very good way to do it. I had played Black previously, and like you said, it's pretty wide open, so it makes sense to, to hold that one until the end mm-hmm. when you're maybe a little bit looser with your swings and, and right. maybe a little worn down um, from playing a lot of golf. But it's all it's all fantastic here. We're happy to be here. And thank you very much for, for giving the entire rundown. A little history lesson for everyone here sure. on Stream Song. Glad to have you here. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you just celebrated a centennial it's coming up 2022 will be our 10th anniversary yeah so big year coming in next year i would expect a lot of traffic but uh this is this is a place i would tell people you you have to get to at some point it's one of those one of those destinations now in the u.s that that need to be on golfers bucket list well it's it's unique in that it's the only only place in the south that has three top 100 courses uh, we're the only place in the world that has Core Crenshaw and Doak and Hans in the same location. Uh, and um, we're the only place with Mach 1 grass that's open to the public. So, What three, more could you want? Three things that <laughs> definitely make you want to check it out, to put it on the bucket list, and yeah. and, uh, and come see us. If that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. So thank you again, Craig. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Streamsongresort.com. Check us out. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Uh, I think Streamsong Resort on all the social channels, too, is, it is the handle there. So check them out.